you so much. You know, what's that beautiful scripture where two or more are gathered? I will be here. I will be in your midst, God tells us. And so um, I'm just delighted to be here with you all this evening. Teresa, I'm not quite sure where you come from, what part of the country, but we're glad to have you. And I'm, I live in Washington, D.C., Tracy's Texas, Z's in Colorado. So we pretty, we pretty much got the nation kind of covered here uh, this evening. Well, we are on lesson number six, the power of patriotism. And we are going through this cottage meeting resource guide, this purple manu manual, there are 12 lessons. We are after tonight, we are halfway through our classes. And of course, you know, Moms for America, our premise is that liberty begins at home. What we do within the four walls of our home has the most power to be able to heal ourselves, our marriages, our families, and even heal a nation. So I'm so glad that we're all here together tonight. You know, I know there's no easy solutions. I know when I sometimes read the news, maybe maybe like every day when I look at, you know, news sources and I think, oh boy, I mean, how you just wonder sometimes can it, can it get any worse? And, um, and then I think about the army of mothers and grandmothers across America who are showing up, who have gone through these classes and who are saying, Lord, here am I, <laughs> what can I do? And uh, this month is the, is the month of mothers. Let's see our first little slide there. Trust you if we can. Our class tonight is called The Power of Patriotism. And then the second little slide is Mother's Day. I hope you had a good Mother's Day on uh, Sunday. And I always like to, uh, you know, re remember that our Mother Eve, the mother of all living, was called the mother of all living, even before she had children. So as women, we are inherent mothers. We bring beauty and life and hope and encouragement and loveliness and light. We leave flowers in our way. Hopefully, hopefully got a little flowers for Mother's Day. This me, my baby, the family, my, I have five children. Little Marie, she and I were getting ready to go off to church. Daddy had already gone gone before us, and there was the dog. The dog always has to get. Actually, I don't think I think I think Al was taking the picture. My husband, but um, let's see the next slide. So that evening we went over to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and there are you know I have a colorful family. They're all kind of shades in my family, but there were aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews and grandmas and grandpas. And it's just important to keep that family close. And we celebrated, you know, motherhood and grandmotherhood. And, and it was a beautiful thing. And, uh, and so, you know, I love knowing that mamas are coming together, forming these little networks, these little pockets of liberty around the country, these cottage meetings coming together online to learn, uh, you know, the principles of freedom and the stories and miracles of America to share experiences and insights from one another. And hopefully as you gather, you're feeling this nudge from God to, to, to know what your part is, to know what your solution could be in ways that you could shore up your home and your family and your neighborhood communities. On Monday, let's see the next slide. On Monday, I was in New Jersey. I live in Washington, D.C., but I went up to be with about 
nine mom for America in their cottage meeting on the Jersey shore in a, in a town called Neptune, New Jersey. And they had a big rally. They helped to organize a rally at the state house in Trenton, New Jersey. And that beautiful woman right there with the little hat, she is the New Jersey state liaison for Moms for America. And she started a little study group. And um, she went through all the classes online, the Healing of America and the 12 Cottage Meeting Series. Thousand Year Lead and God put upon her heart. You know, when we always talk about once you do certain things, you look to God, you keep your family close, you learn and study the constitution from the viewpoint of the founding fathers. God will let you know what to do. And God told her to put together a curriculum and present it to the uh, area, uh, high school in Newark, New Jersey that her mother used to attend. This high school is Behringer High School and it has one of the lowest graduate, graduating rates uh, in the state. And so they were probably so desperate that they accepted this health curriculum. It was taught to all uh, the, the students in that high school. She taught them, if you will get a, graduate, get a job, get married, then have children, you will have less than a 2% chance of living in poverty. And then this curriculum that she wrote included tutoring after school. And this year, there are going to be 200 uh, young people that are going to graduate and go to college. They're gonna be the first generation of college uh, goers in their, in their families. And these um, students that participated in her tutoring program, about 50 of them for the first time raised their GPA to over 3.0. And now this health curriculum is being picked up in Patterson and they're trying to get a school in Neptune. And this is just a mama that came online and learned these stories and principles and then asked God what she could do. And this is what she's done. And it was, it was amazing. Let's see the next slide. So I got to meet uh, all these beautiful mamas and the Jersey Shore. And one of the mothers said, Julene, I went through the Healing of America seminar and my husband is a teacher and I'd come home and I would teach him everything I was learning, or I would tell him everything I was learning as it was, we were taking these classes online. And he was asked to teach a class on um, current events and history and politics. I'm not quite sure that's the name of the class to a, a rec center, a, um, young people in a rec center. And he's like, I need to come up with a curriculum. And she said, use the healing of America. And he said, oh, that's perfect. So he is teaching. And I think these are high risk uh, the students that he's teaching at this rec center, these, the Healing of America seminar. So, you know, I just, I go and when I travel and speak to these groups or, or wherever, um, they tell me these stories and I'm like, wow, God is working. You are God's secret weapon. And even if it's just changes that you make within yourself or something you do with your children or grandchildren, I mean, that's almost the most important change you can make. Okay, let's see the next uh, slide. So the last two classes that we have had, we've discussed the, um, the two pillars, foundation of faith and the valor of virtue, the pillars of liberty. And we, we finish out tonight like a three-legged three stool. Our last pillar is patriotism. If you're missing one of these uh, attributes or virtues, you're not really gonna be strong in liberty. So tonight we're discussing the power of patriotism. What does it mean to be infused with patriotism? Patriotism is really having a knowledge 
of who we are, from where we came, our roots, what it really means to be an American and what that dream is all about. How do we infuse that in our children, okay? How do we infuse that in our grandchildren? That when the heart knows these things, then your, um, then your heart yearns to do something. Let's see that next slide. Patriotism, uh, and uh, it's, let's see, it was Adeline Steve, Adela, Adelaide Stevenson said, true patriotism is not manifested in short frenzied bursts of emotion. It is the tranquil, steady dedication of a lifetime. He was the vice president under Grover Cleveland. But I think he's saying here that, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lifetime habit of studying and learning, you know, principles of liberty and the stories of America and visiting sacred sites and serving and teaching and volunteering that, you know, it, it's a process, it's a steady dedication of a, of a lifetime. So this pillar, this power of patriotism is manifested through devotion to a cause that's really higher than oneself, not for what you know, you or you as a patriot know in your mind, but it's what you understand in your heart and that leads you to want to live and to promote these principles. Let's see the next slide. About a year and a half ago, me and my husband were invited to Montevallo, Alabama. And in this small town, it's about 45 minutes from Birmingham, live some patriots and they have put together this American village. I think it's on 80 acres and they have recreated the White House, Mount Vernon, Monticello, buildings that look almost to scale uh, of these buildings. And now they're building Independence Hall and they're just broke ground for like the, the West Wing of Independence Hall. And then inside they have exhibits and children from all over the street areas and states come and have a patriotic experience here and um, it was so interesting the governor of Alabama was there at the, the brown uh, brown the day uh, they opened they had about 75 high school students come they had a conference about you know teaching principles of patriotism and I were guests and we were observing all of this and there was about 10 really vocal young high school students and they you know in a, kind of took turns standing up talking about well we really want you to learn from us because we have new traditions and we want you to know how the new generation is thinking all right and uh so I was talking to one of those little girls in the restroom on a break and I was asking about, you know, what has she ever been to Amer the American village? Because she lived in this community and she said she really hadn't or couldn't remember. And she's like, yeah, I knew I was coming here and it, it's a patriotic place. So she said, I Googled patriotism because I wasn't quite sure what that meant. <laughs> and that caught my attention because I thought that might be some of the problem with this rising generation that they have to Google the word patriotism because they're not quite sure what that means. And it, I thought, you know, they, they don't know the stories. The stories are not in them. They don't know the covenants that our founders made, you know, that when they promised that this would be one, you know, nation under God and God would protect them, that, some, that, that there, there's a gap there with our rising generation. And so, you know, the lessons, and I thought these, these young people don't know these great stories of 
acts of patriotism, these men and women that, you know, gave their all for this country. So this lesson tonight contains stories of patriotism from the past and, and explores ways that we can develop patriotism today and instill that love of country in the hearts of children. And we do that by instilling it through stories. We give them experiences and just our example alone goes a long way in helping plant those seeds of patriotism. Until we write it in the rising generation's heart, the mechanics of the constitution or Congresses or knowing our rights really won't matter to them because, you know, remember it's not what they necessarily know in their mind about these things, but it's an understanding they have in their heart. It's the feeling they have for this land. And honestly, Googling information about George Washington or our founding fathers or patriotism is, is not going to cut it. All right, so we know our American history is rich with accounts of great patriots. There's a wonderful video that I think I'm gonna show. Let's see that little video. I've shown this before, but it's just that good. I've shown it probably every year I show, I've shown it to my kids for several years and I'll send it to them still. Uh, you know, I have adult kids, most, I have five kids, four of them are out of the home and I'll send them this video probably once a year. It's the story behind the Star Spangled Banner. And so we're just gonna watch about nine minutes of it. But as you watch it, I want you to think about the feelings that you have and who, you know, you could send this to, particularly your children or grandchildren. Okay, let's, let's start that up, Tressie. So, so before we do though, I, I just want to say it's a it's a story behind the national anthem about the men and the boys and the soldiers that held that flag upright with their bodies through that fateful night you know, when the British were bombing uh, Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor all night long in 1812, and what happened in order to keep that flag flying high? Because as long as the American flag was flying, that me meant that we were still victorious and we were holding the line. So let's go ahead and watch that uh, little YouTube clip. Thank you, Tressie. I can't hear this sound. The hymnals throughout our churches, it's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. We go, however, to a ball game. We stand in our church services and we sing the words that and they Just float you through our minds and our lips and we don't even that, <clears throat> Most of us have Just now? Yeah, reshare with your sound. <clears throat> Stop and reshare. Yep. Memorized it as a child, but we've never really thought about what it means. Let me tell you a story. Francis Scott Key was a lawyer in Baltimore. The colonies were engaged in vicious conflict with the mother country, Britain. Because of this conflict and the protractedness of it, they had accumulated prisoners on both sides. The American colonies had prisoners and the British had prisoners. And the American government initiated a move. They went to the British and they said, let us negotiate for the release of these prisoners. They said, we want to send a man out to discuss this with you. They were holding the American prisoners in boats about a thousand yards offshore. And they said, we want to send a man by the name of Francis Scott Key. He will come out and negotiate to see if we can make a mutual exchange. On the appointed day in a rowboat, he went out to this boat and he negotiated with the British officials. 
and they reached a conclusion that men could be exchanged on a one-for-one -one basis. Francis Scott Key, jubilant with the fact that he'd been successful, went down below in the boats, and what he found was a cargo hold full of humanity, men. And he said, men, I've got news for you tonight. You're free. He said, tonight I have negotiated successfully your return to the colonies. He said, you'll be taken out of this boat, out of this filth, out of your chains. As he went back up on board to arrange for their passage to the shore, the admiral came and he said, we have a slight problem. He said, we will still honor our commitment to release these men, but it'll be merely academic after tonight. It won't matter. And Francis Scott Key said, what do you mean? He said, well, Mr. Key, he said, tonight we have laid an ultimatum upon the colonies. Your people will either capitulate and lay down the colors of that flag that you think so much of, or you see that fort right over there, Fort Henry? He said, we're going to remove it from the face of the earth. He said, how are you going to do that? He said, if you will, scan the horizon of the sea. And as he looked, he could see hundreds of little dots. And he said, that's the entire British war fleet. He said, all of the gunpowder, all of the armament is being called upon to demolish that fort. It will be here within striking distance in a matter of about two and a half hours. He said, the war is over. These men would be free anyway. He said, you can't shell that fort. He said, that's, that's a large fort. He said, it's full of women and children. He says, it's predominantly not a military fort. They said, don't worry about it. They said, we've left them a way out. And he said, what's that? He said, do you see that flag way up on the rampart? He said, we have told them that if they will lower that flag, the shelling will stop immediately. And we'll know that they've surrendered, and you'll now be under British rule. Francis Scott Key went down below and told the men what was about to happen. And they said, how many ships? He said, hundreds. The ships got closer. Francis Scott Key went back up on top and he said, men, I'll shout down to you what's going on as we watch. As twilight began to fall and as the haze hung over the ocean as it does at sunset, suddenly the British war fleet unleashed. He says the sound was deafening. There were so many guns that there were no reliefs. He said it was absolutely impossible to talk or hear. He said suddenly the sky, although dark, was suddenly lit. And he says from down below, all he could hear the men, the prisoners, saying was, Tell us where the flag is. What have they done with the flag? Is the flag still flying over the rampart? Tell us. One hour, two hours, three hours into the shelling. Every time the bomb would explode and it would be close to the flag, they could see the flag in the illuminated red glare of that bomb. And Francis Scott Key would report down to the men below, it's still up. It's not down. The admiral came and he said, your people are insane. He said, what's the matter with them? He said, don't they understand this is an impossible situation? 
Francis Scott Key said he remembered what George Washington had said. He said the thing that sets the American Christian apart from all other people in the world is he will die on his feet before he'll live on his knees. The Admiral said, we have now instructed all of the guns to focus on the rampart to take that flag down. He said, we don't understand something. Our reconnaissance tells us that that flag has been hit directly again and again and again, and yet it's still flying. We don't understand that. But he said, now we're about to bring every gun for the next three hours to bear on that point. Francis Scott, he said the barrage was unmerciful. All that he could hear was the men down below praying. The prayer. God keep that flag flying where we last saw it. Sunrise came. He said there was a heavy mist hanging over the land, but the rampart was tall enough. There stood the flag completely nondescript in shreds. The flagpole itself was at a crazy angle, but the flag was still at the top. Francis Scott Key went aboard and immediately went into Fort Henry to see what had happened. And what he found had happened was that that flagpole and that flag had suffered repetitious direct hits. And when hit had fallen, but men, fathers, who knew what it meant for that flag to be on the ground, although knowing that all of the British guns were trained on it, walked over and held it up humanly until they died. Their bodies were removed and others took their place. Francis Scott Key said what held that flagpole in place at that unusual angle were patriots' bodies. He penned the song, Oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming. Or the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that the flag was still there. Oh say, does that star-spangled banner yet fly and wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave? The debt was demanded. The price, it was paid. And then they sing the beautiful national anthem. Thank you, trustee. Um, as I was watching that, I've seen this probably a dozen times and I always feel the spirit. I just always get little chills up my spine at some point. And I was reminded of, I think Tyler Atta is on... Um, our little state liaison from Virginia. She's a young mother of three. And I, she recently sent me a picture and she had taken her children with her husband to Fort McHenry in Baltimore. 
And, and that's what we're talking about, mamas. We take our children and our grandchildren to these sacred sites and we let them feel the spirit of the experience. And I know, Tyler, that that story that we, we just watched, they don't tell that story at Fort McHenry. And they don't tell these faith stories at certain spots that I've gone to. And I know the stories, but there's the tour guides don't know about it. There's no books in the little gift shops. And so if we don't know these stories, you know, then, the, I mean, if we don't know them, they will become lost because if you go to, to these sites there, they have been forgotten. And so I have, uh, you know, what held that little flag up that night at that unusual angle was the body of the Patriots and they were fallen soldiers and what that means. When your children understand the stories like that behind the flag and what it stands for and all the lives that were sacrificed, it makes it easier for them to respect and honor it. Let's see the next slide. So you've heard me talk about this young son I have. He's 25 years old, Frankie. He has been in the NBA for four, six years and he has had the opportunity every time he plays a game to show the world how he feels about his country before that uh, you know every game's played they 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 play the national anthem it's sung in the stadiums the great arenas around the country and he is usually the only player on the court with his hand over his heart let's see the next slide Tressie so I've seen I've, I've heard him say to people when people ask him about this he says well I have there's Frankie again the only one and I know those boys those are good boys but I've heard him say I have a father and I had a grandfather and great grandfathers who served in our country's military and I put my hand over my heart for all of them and for others who sacrificed so much for what we have today including what my family's contribution was and he has said mom you know the other athletes that I play with he said I just think they haven't been taught they just don't know the stories of America he said it's not that they're not good people they just haven't really learned what it means and when he told me that I thought wow mothers it is on us it is up to us to teach our children and our grandchildren these stories the hows and the whys the symbolism of the flag let's see the next slide Tressie you know even the colors of the flag we can teach are symbolic but those red stripes remind us of the blood that was sacrificed on our behalf and the white stripes remind us to live moral and upright lives under a system of limited government so we can choose our values and beliefs. And then that blue background there with the white stars remind us that the heaven is guiding us and, and God's protecting hand is guiding us and that it is God who that we look to for our inalienable God-given rights. So I know you are here tonight because you have learned to love America probably from the example of the people that you loved in your life, grandparents, your parents. Um, and I'm sure that you have done things and I would like to hear at the end of class, what are some of the things you tried to do to teach your children to love America? You've heard me talk about how me and my husband had a family, had a family devotional uh, for years. We have five children. And when they were little, clear up to, you know, when they're uh, adults and they're, they're still expected to be part of devotional if they live here at home. So now we just have a 15 year old daughter, but uh, at home and then the four others have flown the, flown the nest, so to speak. But so we have a little freshman in high school, her name, uh, oh no, so little Marie is our freshman in high school. But I want to tell you about our um, 
daughter who just graduated from college, Mary Alice. I think I, I shared a little bit about her. She's 23. 10 years ago, when she was in fifth grade, we were living in Hood River, Oregon. She was in the fifth grade, 10 years old. She, they weren't allowed to pledge allegiance in Hood River uh, because um, I had heard that enough people were offended by the mention of God in the pledge. And so they just removed it from that school. And so on the last day of school, she was so happy and pleased to come home and report to me that they actually said the Pledge of Allegiance on the last day of school. She said, I raised my hand and I asked the teacher, since this is the last day, could we pledge? And he allowed them. They all stood up and repeated those beautiful words, you know, one nation under God, indivisible. And she came home and she could not wait to tell me that, that this had taken place. And I just wish that I had had the courage or I had known some of the things that I know now that I didn't march myself into that school and question why our children weren't allowed to pledge. And it certainly would have been an opportunity for me to, to teach some, someone something there that day. But because, you know, in our little devotionals, we had started to read little stories of America and study principles of liberty, that little 10-year-old that meant something to her to be able to pledge. And now let's see the next slide. She is 23 years old. And this picture was just taken about 10 days ago. She graduated. And um, so oh, there's a little picture. That's not Mary Alice, but you know, this, this is how excited she was to be able to pledge at 10 years old. Let's see the next slide. So Mary Alice is now 23 years old. She just graduated. This was us just about 10 days ago. She, you know, she was, a, she's kind of a, a subtle little girl. She doesn't like, you know, like to get in fights about her beliefs or her patriotism, but she just has this way and courage about her. About two years ago, let's see the next picture. She often uh, on her campus of 33,000 people, she was the only one that did not wear masks in class. And she took a picture of everyone that was always masked up. She and I like to do yoga together. She's a yoga instructor and she doesn't wear a mask. When, and so many people uh, wear masks when they do yoga. And I just have heard her say, I value the breath of life and the freedom that I have in this country to, to breathe freely and to you know, live according to how I believe. And so she just, just went against the grain. And uh, when she felt like you know, her liberties were being removed, she, she just stood strong. I think one of the easiest things we can do to instill a, a love of freedom and liberty and God and justice is to get a flag. Let's see the next slide and put it in your home and pledge. So here is my, the baby of the house. About three years ago, I heard General Flynn, the great general, say not enough people are saying the flag and reminding themselves of who we are and what this country is about. He said, get a flag. So I, I took a little nail and I pounded it in the door in our kitchen. And every morning before my little girl eats her breakfast and we study a little bit of a Bible story and, you know, a little bit of principle of liberty, we say a pledge. We say the Pledge of Allegiance. And then she says a little prayer, blesses the food, and then we have our devotional. That's something so simple to do. And that flag hangs in our house 24-7 through every season. Everyone that comes into our house sees that flag hanging in our kitchen. 
Um, let's see the next slide. There's a beautiful verse in Joshua verses, uh, chapter four, verses four through nine. I'm sorry, it says 49, but it's four through nine and verses 21 through 24. And uh, that verse in Joshua in the Old Testament tells about the children of Israel, how they place those 12 stones as a monument to commemorate the crossing of the River Jordan with the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that story. And when their children uh, were to ask all those years later what those stones meant or that monument meant, they would tell this rising generation that it was a reminder of God's hand in their life that saw them through that uh, Jordan River and that God is mighty and we look to him, right? That's what the stones represented. I really consider our American flag like a memorial, a waving monument to our brave patriots and warriors and to our God who delivered and established this choice land of opportunity and freedom. So, you know, as we liken scripture in Joshua to our flag and to other, you know, great symbols and monuments around the country, it helps anchor our children's understanding of what has come before. Let's see that next slide. William, uh, George William Custis, he was a, a, a famous author during the 1800s. He was well-respected and known for his high morals. He said, a man's country is not a certain area of land, of mountains, rivers, of woods, but it is a principle and patriotism is loyalty to that principle. Let's see the next slide. I think that's one of the reasons I love the 5,000 year leap because it contains principle, these 28 principles that change the world that our founding fathers gleaned from to form this nation and to write those inspired documents. So principle nine uh, in the 5,000 year leap. And remember we've taught, we have a 12 week series that Moms for America teaches on the 5,000 year leap and all those classes are recorded and you can watch them online. And I think we're gonna teach another live class in the evenings in the fall. But principle nine says, to protect human rights, God has revealed a code of divine law, all right? So principle nine and 10 actually talk about this relationship of obedience to God's law and then how God will protect us as we adhere to his laws. So, you know, as you teach these principles to your children, I would just take one principle a week and we would read it every day and we would talk about what that would mean. And I would, you know, explain to them divine law is the Bible and um, adhering to, uh, you know, what is in the Bible ensures that not only, you know, will we keep our rights, but it will lead to maximum freedom and happiness. Because don't you think the, the you know, God who created us knows what's best for us, his creations. And so he gave us, you know, this this divine code. So do you see how I explain that to you? That's how I would explain it almost every single day. Or I'd ask, I'd have them read, read it and tell me what in your words, what does that mean to you that to protect the rights, uh, our rights, God has revealed a certain code of divine law. And then the children, you know, would talk about that and we'd have a discussion sometimes about, okay, well, what is God's law and how do we uphold it? And what does it look like? You know, it's so interesting, those young kids in Montevallo at that American village, they said that they had new traditions and new values that they wanted to teach us. 
And, you know, they would mention aspects of the LGBT community or Black Lives Matters or being pro-choice. Uh, I mean, those were, you know, their new values and new traditions that they wanted to teach us. And they said that because they were not rooted in correct principle, in godly law. They didn't understand the American covenant of, you know, our founders promised that we would we'd make godly law and we would be one nation under God. And then that God, you know, would put an umbrella protection over us as we adhered to him. They, they were missing, they didn't understand that kind of principle. And so they were susceptible to, you know, the latest trends uh, in the world. And so, you know, as you teach your children these principles, then you, you um, flesh them out. And principle number 10, let's see the next slide, teaches us that the God-given right to govern is vested in the sovereign authority of the whole people. That means the ultimate power, sovereign power, rests in us and that we're the ones that have to perpetuate these principles and this godly law. And it's our responsibility. This is a government uh, you know, for the people, by the people. And then you could have a discussion, you know, if you're talking about principle 10 that week. So what do we do to make, you know, our voices strong? And so, you know, we can stand up and perpetuate these principles and teach these principles. And, you know, one of the best ways you can teach these principles is by them seeing you do something. So I went to that uh, rally in New Jersey on Monday and I sent pictures of the, that rally and mama speaking and all those beautiful women. And we had lunch together and I took pictures of us at lunch and my children saw, oh, okay, mom walks, is trying to walk the talk. She's trying to live <laughs> these principles. So your own personal example of, of attending school board meetings or, you know, uh, being a part of maybe prayer calls or um, going to city council or town hall meetings or going to the PTA meetings or, you know, just your involvement or mostly what you do within the four walls, seeing mom pray, seeing mom call her children to prayer and kneeling down or holding hands or however you do it, you know, and, and seeing mom study the Bible at the kitchen table, your example of perpetuating these principles will be their greatest teachers. So um, let's see the, the next slide. For years, you, you heard me talk about how we have this little morning devotional in our home. And we will take one principle. And so this is the baby of the house. She's the only one left at home now. This was two years ago. She looks a little bit older now, but she still does this. She sits at the island. And this week, it was the second principle, being staying morally strong and virtuous. That's how you ensure uh, a free a country. And so we talked about what that means. And then, let's see the next slide. And then probably for a decade, I review the headlines of the newspapers because I want them to be able to take a principle and, and then look at current events and see, are we living, being true to this principle or are we misapplying and, and not abiding by the principle? Because when we abide by the principles, that's how we have the promise from God that he'll protect us, he'll watch over us. So I'm just holding up the Washington Post today, but I did that this morning. And she, uh, she read that, she, she sometimes likes to read the headlines. And, and once again, they're talking about the abortion pill that is being, um, uh, you know, addressed again at the appellate level in Texas. And, and the, the post doesn't like that. It looks like, you know, they're not going to allow that pill. It's called Mifpristone to, to continue. And so we talked again right there on the spot this morning is 
is the right to an abortion, is that a godly right? Is that an inalienable right? And, you know, where, where do people think it's their constitutional right to be, have access to, you know, procedures or to pills that would kill children? So, you know, in about two minutes, we had that kind of conversation that went along with uh, principle number two that she was talking about. So I like, uh, you, you know, and, and uh, I mean, we've done that for 10 years. So we were talking about these kind of topics when this little girl who's 15 was very young. You always teach to the oldest child. And that means those younger children are hearing some serious things, but I don't think that's a bad idea, to be honest. You know, we want the children to hear from us first at an early age what is right. We don't want to take chances that they're going to be exposed to hearing a version of something from the school teacher or on the playground. And so that's an example of how we teach these principles, how we perpetuate these principles, because you get those principles in a child and that child begins to feel, feel in her heart an obligation to rise up and to defend, to defend this country and the principles upon which it was founded. So let's see the next um, slide. So, you know, I love this book, The Promises of the Constitution, and I recommend getting it. It's just these little short one and a half page vignettes of, of stories and concepts from the Constitution and uh, aspects of our history. And you can explain it in a real easy little one page vignette and, uh, and then talk about it with your children. So here are some different vignettes that tell about, you know, these great stories of some patriots, Samuel Adams and uh, protest against the British and the bravery of the children to defend their little homes. And of course, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, great little stories. Uh, the vignette 3-4 talks about the courage of the signers and it, it tells about the story of an elderly young old man and his young grandson who actually rang the bell the day that the declaration was signed. And, and, um, and so I, I, I recommend this resource as a, a means to read little stories of patriotic people. Another way to instill principles of patriotism in the hearts of children or grandchildren is to take them to you know, historic sites or memorials or monuments. Let's see the next slide. So these are just some places we've gone in the past, I don't know, year or so, Gettysburg um, in Pennsylvania, where, you know, during the Civil War and Abraham Lincoln, we went to the site where the Gettysburg Address was had. And always when we go to these places and look, they're, they're my grown children. There was, my boy was 18 and then our little freshman. But I always buy books. Let's see the next slide. So there we were looking at over, I think some of the battlegrounds and we talked about, you know, Abraham Lincoln talking about how this new nation was formed and how it was conceived in liberty and it was dedicated to the proposition that all men were to be created equal. And we went to some of the monuments. It's a fabulous, uh, you can spend all day there in, in Gettysburg, but um, let's do full screen. I wanna show you always at these historic sites, there's always a bookstore and I always buy a couple books and this is the cutest book. It was about a little doggy. Her name was Sally. She's a real life, this is a real life story. A true story of how a dog became a Civil War hero and, and is beautiful illustrated. And she was right there with all the troops. And when some of the men were down and it took a few days to get to him, she refused to leave their sight. And I mean, uh, I bought this book and, and there she was, she wouldn't leave, little Sally wouldn't leave their spots. And then the, the night 
before the day she was going to die in battle. She stayed up all night and she howled at the moon and cried all night like she'd never done before. And she'd been traveling with the troops now for, I think, a few years. And then she was killed in battle. And they um, erected a monument to the volunteer infantry, the 11th infantry, and they put little Sally. And the monument is there at, at Gettysburg. And there is the little Sally, the dog on the monument. And we saw that monument and we love dogs in our house. We have two dogs. So of course I had to buy this book and I read it to my little girl in, in devotional one morning and we both wept and it was just, I mean, it's these stories, you know, that help them to feel even the dog's part in preserving, you know, the morale of the troops and, and doing uh, uh, her little part. It was just delicious. Let's see the next slide. So, uh, and then I think there's one more slide of Colonial Williamsburg. Teresa, if we can put that up. And we've gone there, we lived there for a year. And uh, this is the capital, the House of Burgess. And we would always talk, we'd, we would take tours every time we went there. How many times we've done tours there? And we talk about, you know, where they fought for their independence and had those uh, arguments, Patrick Henry and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. And so let's see at the next, um, the next slide. In the supplemental material of, of our lesson, there's an article called The Place uh, Called Liberty. And the president of Moms for America, her name is Kimberly Fletcher, and she's a mother of eight. And she said one time she was driving through Ohio with a friend and they came upon a town called Liberty. And she remembered thinking, wow, what would it be like to live in a place called Liberty? And then her friend said, Kimberly, how is it that your children are so patriotic? And she, she thought to herself, I don't know, it's kind of like asking your kids, how did they get so tall? It just kind of happens, happens gradually. But, you know, it was clear that her children are, are patriotic and, and they, you know, just naturally stand when the anthem is played or they take their hats off when the flag goes by or when they see a serviceman, a military man in the airport, they always thank him. And so she thought to herself, how did they get that way? Is it in their genes? And then she, she said to her friend, look, patriotism is not hereditary. It's something, it's not something that you're born with. It's something that you develop over time through experience. And then her friend said, well, how did you develop? How did you develop this in your children? And Kimberly thought about it for a minute. She said, well, I think it's, I just shared the story of America with them. And then she told them how a few years ago, she had taken her children to Washington, D.C. to the visit Arlington Cemetery and the tomb of the unknown soldier right there. And when the young kids uh, arrived there, they spoke in hushed tones and some of them bowed their head and one of them even wept a few tears. And um, she, she said those instincts and that emotion came because we told them, we prepared them ahead of time for months before they took the trip. She read them stories about people who gave their lives for the country and their dad is uh, in the military. So he often, they would hear him telling stories about his service in the military and, and his feelings about these sacred sites and those that had served in the battles. So by the time the kids got to the Arlington Cemetery in, in Arlington, Virginia, they knew that this was a special place and that it deserved respect. And they knew these things because why mom and dad had taken the time to tell them with love and to reinforce it with stories. Mothers, we love America because I bet your parents loved America and they shared the story of America with you. And our children 
will love America because we will continue to share with them. Kimberly would go on to reflect as she has faithfully kind of tended and nurtured her love of liberty in the hearts of her children, that she made a discovery that, you know, there is a place called liberty and that place is in our hearts. I love the example of um, the story of the founding mother, Abigail Adams. Let's see that next slide, Tressie. And the impact, the feeling that she had for this fledgling nation in her heart and the impact it had on her children. Um, there's a story in the supplemental material. The story is called Abigail Adams, a, a mother patriot. Now it was the year 1775. And uh, the war, Revolutionary War was imminent and uh, things were, you know, action, things were beginning to rage around her Boston home. And she had to care often for her children by herself because her husband, John Adams, was often away serving, usually overseas. So there's her little son, John Quincy, who would go on to become the sixth president of the United States. Of course, her husband was the second president. But he recalls as a young boy, there was a space of about 12 months in which my mother and us children wondered if we might be butchered. He said in cold blood every hour of the day and night, literally they were feeling like they were not only gonna give their fortunes and their reputations, but maybe their lives for this country. Now, many women uh, during this period of the Revolutionary War were Quakers or Christian, and they were adamantly opposed to war, but yet they still supported the battles because they deeply believed in the dream of America. And John uh, Quincy Adams spoke of his mother's influence. Uh, she was a daughter of a Christian clergyman, and therefore she was bred to detest war. But in that summer of 1775, um, yeah, John Quincy said, she taught me to repeat the Lord's Prayer every morning before I got out of bed, and also before rising to repeat the Ode of Collins on the Patriot Warriors. So I look, I should, I should include that in there one of these times. It's a very long poem about a Patriot warrior calling out to God. And she would have him repeat that as he lay in bed. And so she, you can see how she was instilling a love of God and country in her children as she courageously stood against the evils of her day and supported her husband and, and uh, you know, her whole life in his public service. So let's see the next slide. So she frequently would open her home as headquarters for the Minutemen and John, young John Quincy recalls that uh, they had a dozen or so pewter spoons. And let's see the next slide. He remembers going into the kitchen and his mother allowed the Minutemen that were full up in, her in his kitchen, their kitchen, to melt those pewter spoons into bullets. And he said, do you wonder that a boy of seven years of age that day who witnessed that soon, it's no wonder that I was a patriot. And this is where patriotism comes from. Let's see the next slide. It comes from seeing examples on the home front, mothers decorating for patriotic occasions or holidays or taking their children you know, to parades or grandmothers having her hand over her heart when the flag goes by or grandpa carefully folding the flag or, you know, dad folding the flag or grandpa telling about his uh, military experience. Children can feel it. They see it when we share with them why we do what we do and why the American dream, what's it all about and why it's so important and why we have to secure liberty. Because our kids will know what it means to be an American when they see us do these things. When, remember, when the heart knows, the heart yearns. Truly, the greatest acts of patriotism a mother can perform is within the four walls of her home. 
So just think of some of the patriotic acts that you saw your mother, your grandmother, or, or grandfather or dad do that increased your love for this country. I'd like you to share a little bit uh, um, in just a minute. I think of my mama, she took me voting from the time I can remember. She let me go in the booth. She would let me put the, it was a little puncher. She would let me vote. She would take me to town hall meetings. She would talk about current events with me. She had a picture of Ronald Reagan in our kitchen right next to Jesus Christ. I knew that God was important to her and I knew that country was important to her. So beautiful mamas, one of the best things we can do is to, you know, whatever it distracts us, our phones, our iPads, our computers, whatever, when we're with our children, we need to put them down and take the opportunity to look into their eyes and tell them a story from your heart about why you love America. So let's see the full screen just for a moment. I wish I had a picture of this because it just happened three, like three days ago. See my little nails here? One of them already broke. I'm going to go back tomorrow and fix it. So I went, me and my daughter, my 15-year-old went and got her nails done because it's almost the end of the school year and she just finished lacrosse season. So I said, let's go get our nails done. And so while, while we were getting our nails done, we we're sitting next to each other. And for some reason, we were talking about doing hard things. So I, I reiterated a story from the New Testament about the rich young boy who came to, to um, Christ and said, what can I do? And you know, I'm, I'm a good boy. I'm keeping the commandments. And he said, we'll sell everything you have and come follow me. And the boy was like, oh, and he slithered away because it was too hard. And so I, I told her that story. I'm sure the ladies that were doing our nails were getting an earful. This was just a little dialogue me and my 15-year-old were having. And then I said, that reminds me of that story of Nathan Hale. Now, we, talk, we talked about the story of Nathan Hale, the young 21-year-old boy who was a spy for George Washington and was caught and was hung. And he said, oh, I only wish that I had 10,000 lives to be hung every time for my country, you know, something like that. He was such a patriot. So I told her the story of Nathan Hills and how there's a statue in New York City and where the um, town hall, uh, city hall is, and we're going to go see it next time we're there. And so we just talked back and forth and you can see how you can take any opportunity to tell a little story in the car you know while they're eating their raisin bran in the morning while you're getting your nails done just to and I didn't tell the story perfectly but she could she listened I had a captive audience she had nowhere to go and so you know telling these stories and creating a vision of what patriotism looks like it looks like Nathan Hell. You know, it looks like a willingness to, to, to give of yourself for a higher cause. So let's see the next slide. There's a wonderful uh, movie, The Monumental by Kirk Cameron. And um, that slide, Monumental there. Oh, if you haven't watched it with your kids, um, do. So, but, but before, well, I'm just gonna tell you that about this slide. The, this is, as, I, as we go to all of our little sites through the years. I'll just buy a couple books. These books here are just books you could buy on Amazon. And sometimes, you know, they kind of gloss over certain things and I fill in a few details, but it doesn't even matter. Just start building your I Love America library and pulling, you know, five or six new books out each week. I read for years, I, I would just read a little story in the family devotional. I'd we'd read, a, uh, you know, we'd discuss a Bible story and then we would read a book about Martha. And then we would take them to Mount Vernon or we would take them to Monticello where Thomas Jefferson lives. And, and um, 
And so it just begins to familiarize and then you can fill in, you know, if, if some of the books are, are just a little bit off, but this wonderful, and to be honest with you, a lot of the, these little books are, are, are pretty, are pretty much on. I think, you know, as the kids get older in their textbooks, then you have to be careful because then they have pulled, you know, all the faith stories out. But, you know, just just start building a library. I, I love America Library. So it, let's um, see the monumental slide now. So monumental, Kirk Cameron talks about going back to Plymouth. And there's this amazing monument there. And it's just kind of hidden in the neighborhood. And so six months ago, we took our kids to Thanksgiving to Plymouth. And we went to this amazing monument and that the woman at the top is, her name is Faith. And then there's four figures around the monument named Morality, the Law, Education, and Liberty and scripture embedded on that monument. It is amazing. And uh, I, you would not even have known about it. No one ever taught, it's a very much of a, the, the spiritual moorings of our nation, our nation were spiritual. So this is, a, it's called the Forefathers Monument in Plymouth. And so let's see the next slide. So we knew we were going to go take the kids six months ago to Plymouth. So for years I've been reading, I pull out the Thanksgiving book. So I pulled them out for the 15-year-old in the miracle of Squanto. Why did Squanto know English when the pilgrims landed? There was an English-speaking Indian. What, what the miracle is that? And it was amazing when we went to Plymouth, how, how true they were to the faith story. Because some of these historical sites remove the faith stories. And so you don't get the whole picture, but I was very impressed with the, our visit to Plymouth, Massachusetts. Put that on your bucket list, mama. And the kids loved it. We went the next day into Boston on the Freedom Walking Trail to the site, the Boston Massacre site and the Old South Church and, and told those stories, you know, that I had learned through Moms for America. Let's see the next um, slide. So I prepared the kids and actually I prepared the one child, but all those kids had grown up reading those stories or, or old books, but they were, their little hearts were primed. The well was, you know, primed uh, when we got to these sites to know and to feel the spirit of what was transpiring there. So let's see that next slide. Um, even Stalin, that terrible Marxist leader of the Soviet Union in the 1930s recognized the secret of our strength. He said, America is like a healthy body and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality. So that's like virtue, the valor of virtue and it's spiritual life, the foundation of faith. That is, he, he recognized it. That is what made us strong. Even he got something right, faith, virtue and patriotism. Those are the pillars that ensure our nation's health and our well-being and that's what anchors our children in this feeling uh, you know, of love for their country. So we've come to the end of our class, mamas and grandmothers of America, and we're calling upon you to rebuild these pillars, to shore them up on the home front where you can have heart-to-heart -heart discussions and tell these stories and, and you know, have these experiences with your children and be the example. Your example will be the best book they will ever read. It will be the best teacher they will ever have. Give your children reasons to love this land of America every single day. Show them uh, tomorrow or, or uh, you know, that little link about the story behind the national anthem. And even if you think your children are too little, show it to them anyways. Even if you think they're too old and they don't want a sermon for mom, send it to them anyways, because the greatest acts of patriotism 
that will ever occur will be with in the four walls and what we do to influence those that have spent time in our home because you shape and you mold the destiny of a nation as you shape and mold the character of your children of your grandchildren as you foster their faith and form that love of freedom in their hearts god bless you for being here tonight god bless you for this desire that you have and that ends our class this evening thank you so much I'm gonna try.